Why don't you open your Bible in Isaiah 9, 6. I want to share with you that scripture on last week, looking at it, and uh, just want to take that a little further. You're with us for the first time. Well, it's okay. Even though we're doing a series, you can pick it up off the internet uh, or just pick it up today. You'll feel where we are straight away. Isaiah 9, chapter, verse 6. And we've been looking about Jesus because most time at Christmas time, people focus on all the wrong kind of things. And uh, Christmas can be incredibly simple when we keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is God's love, His extravagant love and goodness to us and us opening our lives to receive it and to celebrate the goodness of God. And we just read in Isaiah uh, chapter 9. And uh, this is, of course, a verse, famous verse, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. We just stop there. And uh, so we were looking just over the last few weeks about Jesus and about the names they called him. And uh, in the Bible, whenever someone's called by a name, the name always has a meaning. And uh, we just call people, you know, Mike, Joy, this name, that name, you know, Fred, whoever the name is. We don't sort of think anything of it. You just know a person by their name. Learn. And, uh, but always with the name, there's a, you associate a person. But in the Bible, the name's always full of meaning. So when you go through the Bible and look at the names, they always uh, had a message concerning that person's destiny. So naming a person was very important because the name was connected to the character of the person, the kind of person they would be, or what they would do. So we find, uh, for example, they shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. The name Jesus, literally Savior. So whenever uh, we hear the name Jesus, you have all kinds of names come up or thoughts come up, but to a Hebrew listening to that word, it was like you were saying, uh, oh, well, this is Savior. This is the one who rescues, heals, delivers, restores, brings you out of troubles and difficulties. Uh, his name was also called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So whenever you call him Emmanuel, it's God with us. God with us. Oh, this is God with us. This is God with us. This is Savior. This is the one who will rescue people. And then we saw in Isaiah, he was also called Prince of Peace. We can understand that one. And uh, last week when we were looking at that, we saw that peace at its core is a spiritual issue core problem is conflict in the heart, still is today. And the, because the, the core of the problems people have has been cut off from God, cut off from ourselves, cut off from one another, the remedy has to be a spiritual one, which has a practical outworking. So we saw that last week. So we want to just pick up some other aspects of it now. And here we look and just read the verse again. The government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Do I want to speak of Jesus Counselor. How many people ever needed advice in their life sometime? That's right. How many could do a bit right now? <laughs> That's right. But we don't always receive advice too well, especially if someone offers it when we don't really want it. When someone offers you advice and gives you a bit of advice and you're not ready for it, then usually most people just resist it. Have you found that? You offer a teenager advice. They don't always want your advice. Because they, why don't they want your advice? Because they know better. In 15 years of life, they have all this experience of life and know exactly what is right for them. And uh, 30 or 40 or 50 years of experience doesn't really count. And about the age of 20, suddenly they find out Dad learned a lot in this last five years. Did too. But so don't always, people don't always want help. And uh, yet Jesus calls himself counselor. This is one of his names. The Bible tells us, 
that in the last days or towards the end of the age, there will be tremendous turmoils in the world. And one of the characteristics that will be there will be people having problems with their heart, heart attacks, men's hearts failing them for fear because of the changes coming into the world. So if you would think this year, one of the things we said at the beginning of the year was change. We have a look about the number of changes this year. There's that whole financial change, change global finance changing. That stressed a few people out. I'm sure a few people jumped off a roof as a result of that kind of change. But you have a look at some of the other changes that we're aware of, climate change with the influence that brings. Have a look at other kind of changes. I don't know whether any of you have been reading any material about what's happening in Europe right now. But in Europe, some of the population growth is so low, the populations can't sustain themselves. And so populations in several countries in Europe are in decline. And the population has been made up by mass Muslim migration. So the face of Europe is in massive change right now. What is happening is there are large crowds of Muslims coming into the nations, making up the gaps in the population caused by a declining influence of Christianity and a declining population. So in Europe, the whole face of Europe is in change right now. And Islam is not integrating. In fact, actually, it's in violent conflict in many places. So Europe is in a place of great change. Within 30, 40 years, it will no longer be the Europe we used to know. What that means is the values change, the culture changes. There will be conflict, absolutely. So our world is in change, great change. And the biggest problem in the middle of it is what to do. You have a look at the youth culture. Youth culture is in change. So change is inevitable. And one of the things we need to see is that in times of change, people feel uncertain and afraid and need good advice, good counsel. I know a number of people who went to get some counsel over their money and they lost all their dough. Think about that. This last year, all the people that lost millions by following someone who supposedly was a very wise investment counselor. Now he's in jail for over 100 years and cost people billions. But when he was in his heyday, Madoff was considered almost near to God with his financial advice and his ability to help people make money. So you find we're in a world in tremendous turmoil. And in the midst of that turmoil, don't think it won't affect you. It will. Turmoil in families, turmoil in youth, turmoil with drugs, all kinds of turmoil. So in the midst of it all, there needs to be stability. And people look for answers. You need answers. And Jesus is called counselor. Let me ask you this. When you have difficulties, where do you go for counsel? Where do you go for counsel? Think about it. Where do you go? Who do you turn to? Well, some people turn to the TV. Some people turn to the internet, look up on the internet, get some advice off the internet. Goodness knows where it's coming from, but it's on the internet, it must be good. So we'll go on the internet and find some advice there. And people look all over the places. People consult psychics. You have a look at the increase right now of all of the psychic stuff. Everywhere you look, in magazines, increase of it, people wanting to know answers, wanting about the future, wanting to find answers. But they're turning to familiar spirits. So where do you turn when you need advice? Young people, where do you go? Do you seek advice? Do you look for help? Do you look for encouragement? Do you look for someone who could tell you this is how to walk, and if you walk this path, well, one thing for sure is it's a proven path and it'll get you good results. Where do you go for counsel? Do you listen to your problems? Because your problems talk to you. Do you listen to your familiar spirits that have talked to you all these years? What do you listen to? Who do you listen to? Who are you going to? I found most times when people are in trouble, they just get up on the phone and talk to someone else who's got the same trouble, and they feel bad about their troubles together. That's not going to help you. 
ringing up someone who's got the same trouble. So Jesus is called, and as the Bible says here, he's called Counselor. His name is Counselor. So what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is a counselor? Well, to get an understanding of what that is, you don't just go to the dictionary, you go and have a look in the Bible. And I want to share with you two aspects of the counsel that Jesus gives. The first one the Bible tells us, when the word counselor means, get this, when it says Jesus is counselor, the word that they use for a person in that language who is listening to it would mean this, a person of great rank, wisdom and experience who is qualified to stand next to a king and advise him on how to run his nation. Think about that. So the word counselor is a word describing someone highly qualified and of great rank and wisdom and experience who could stand next to a king and tell them how to rule and reign and govern. The Bible says you and I are kings. We're called to have an influence in the earth. And who will stand alongside you and be a counselor to you? Who will stand alongside you and show you how to run your life, your marriage, your family? Well, Jesus calls, is called the counselor, the one with wisdom, experience, the one who knows how to come alongside you and give you answers that work, not foolish answers. So one aspect of Jesus' counselor is wisdom. He can tell you what to do that will get the right results. Here's the second, Here's the second aspect of his counseling. Jesus is called a counselor. That is one who has the ability to come alongside you and look right through to the root cause of your problem and discern it clearly and then show you and help you how to get out of it. Now, that's a good person to have around, isn't it, eh? Whenever you're in trouble, whenever you have a problem, Jesus is called counselor. Why is he called counselor? Because if you will reach out to him, he will give you wisdom how to run your life, And he will show you how to get to the root of the problems, find out what's really underneath. Now, that would be very helpful to have, wouldn't it? How many think that would be helpful to have? I found most times in counseling people, majority of people haven't got a clue why they're behaving like they are. Haven't got a clue of the root systems in the heart. But Jesus knows because he's an expert on the heart. So let's have a look at the first aspect of Jesus' counseling. And here it is, a person of great rank, able to help a king run his business, run his nation. Well, in the coming year, I want to ask you this. What, uh, what kind of access will you make to God to get wisdom on how to do better next year than you did this year? Will you seek his counsel and advice? I'll show you how I can do it. It's not even very, very hard. In Jeremiah 32, it says, The Lord is great in counsel and mighty in works. And in the Bible, you'll find two things are always connected. Remember when we were looking at peace, we found that peace or sorting out peace issues was always connected with the order of God in our life, getting things right in the inside. Well, when it comes to Jesus being known as a counselor, you notice he's always connected. He's the one who counsels. It's also connected with being mighty God, the God who was great to get breakthroughs and to help you. So always, Jesus doesn't just counsel us. He'll help us get the victory as well. So inevitably, the two are connected together to one another. Isaiah 9 verse 6, he will call his name Counselor, the Mighty God, or the Prevailing and Conquering God. So not only does Jesus advise you what to do, he'll help you get there and help you win. So that would be good if we made something of his advice. I was reading a story about a king in 1 Kings 12. Have a look at him. 
Have a look at him in 1 Kings chapter 12. There's a king. Now, this guy has just ascended to the throne. So he's got an opportunity to really have an influence in a whole nation. Imagine if you were called and given an opportunity to be the prime minister and you could run the nation. I wonder how you'd do it differently. Well, this guy called for some counselors. So in 1 Kings chapter 12, it says, some people came to Jeroboam and, and so on. They spoke to him, Rehoboam, saying, here it is. Your father made our yoke heavy. Now lighten the burdens and service of your father in the heavy yoke. And he said, leave me three days and come back. And then they left. Now here it is. King Rehoboam consulted the elders who stood before his father Solomon while he lived. And he said, what counsel do you give me? So here's a king. He's just descended to the throne. He's now inherited a whole number of problems and a whole number of difficulties. People have come and told him about the difficulties. And now he's facing a situation where he has to make good decisions that will affect his future. So he asked the older people, well, what advice do you give me? Here's the advice they gave him. And it says, well, if you'll be a servant to the people, serve them and answer them and speak encouragement to them, they'll be your servants forever. So what did the older people do? They said, well, if you want to be the king, if you want to be a king that rules the nation, has the favor of God on your life, be a servant king, listen to people, find the heart of people, encourage them and respond to the needs they have. It says, unfortunately, he didn't listen to that. And then he went to the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him, and he said, what advice or counsel do you give? How should I answer the people who have spoken to me, saying, lighten the yoke your father put on us? They said, this is what you want to do to those people. Your father made our yoke heavy, and, say, and you say, make it lighter on us. This is what you'll say, my little finger will be thicker than my father's waist. He put a heavy yoke, I'll add to your yoke. He chastised you with whips, I'll beat you with, whip, uh, with scourges. And so that's what they did. Now, this is what essentially is the core of it. Here is a young man has ascended with an opportunity to influence a nation. Tremendous opportunity. When God gives you opportunities in 2010, whose voice will you be listening to for wisdom to take full advantage of those opportunities? He had these older men. Now, this is the way the older men advised them. They said, you need to have a serving heart so that you listen and find out what the needs are, and then encourage people so that as a result of you leading or as a result of you being a king, their lives benefit. That's what they were saying. So in other words, don't be ego-driven. Just have the heart of God to love people and serve people, and your leadership will rise and will come forth, and they will respond to you. And the other young man said, listen, don't listen to any of that old stuff. What you need to do is to show yourself tough. You need to be a strong leader. You need to tell them what's what and tell them to line up or ship out. That's virtually what they were saying. So the younger man appealed to his ego. The older man appeared to wisdom from God. The older man gave counsel from God. The younger man gave something that would inflate his ego so that in the end, if he followed that path, he'd be ruined. So I wonder when you are listening for counsel, whether you listen and go to people who can give you advice that is godly and brings results, or whether you go to people that lift up your ego and make you feel good, but give you advice that takes you down a road of ruin. Think about that. It's not about being the old man or the young man. It's actually about the kind of advice they gave and where the counsel came from. The older man in this case gave a counsel that's rooted in the Word of God. Jesus said, in the kingdom of God, 
outside the kingdom of God, everyone bosses over one another and it's all about titles and privilege. He said, in the kingdom of God, become a servant. If you want to be great, become a servant. So the counsel they're giving is, have a heart to serve, even though you're king, have a heart to serve. Use your role and positioning God has given you to benefit people and there will be a response to you. The younger man said, well, hey man, show yourself tough. Show yourself no one can tell you what to do. Don't let anyone put you down. You stand up and use your position to rule people. And so in the situation here, you get two lots of counsel. One of them is godly. Which one did he follow? He followed the ego-boosting one, and he lost. Out of the 12 tribes, 10 of them abandoned him. In other words, he lost a huge amount of his influence as a result of one bad decision based on faulty counsel. How many of us could identify situations where you made a bad decision, had bad results, and the advice you got, you wish you'd never got that advice? Right? How many have had something like that happen? Yeah, yeah. How many had it happen this last year? Oh. <laughs> well, there you go. So who we're listening to is very important. Young people, who you're listening to in advising you about your life and relationships is really important. The question is whether you'll go to people who'll boost your ego and make you feel good, or whether you'll get godly counsel that will actually produce a fruit in your life that you're really proud of. See, whatever you follow, you're either going to have two things happen. Either it'll be wisdom and you have great results, or it'll be bad and you'll have consequences. Either way, you'll learn something. How many learned something from consequences? Ah, it's much easier to get good advice, isn't it, eh? So Jesus is great at giving people advice. He's great. In Proverbs 19 and verse 20 to 21, let's have a look about the counsel of the Lord. Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19, verse 20 to 21. Here it is. It says, there are many plans in the man's heart. So you've got lots of ideas. Got lots of ideas for the coming year. It says, nevertheless, it's the counsel of God that remains or stands. So whatever God advises will work out. See, whatever God advises. Now, notice what it says in verse 20. Listen to counsel, receive instruction, and then you'll be wise. So listen to counsel, receive instruction, and then you'll grow wise. In other words, you don't have to make all the mistakes everyone else has made. You can actually learn from people who have benefited from their own mistakes or have made heaps of mistakes before. I've made heaps of mistakes. I still seem to make mistakes. And it just seems to be part of life. But you can reduce the number of mistakes you make and you can learn from your mistakes. And Jesus is a counselor. I want you to have a look at this. Notice it tells us here, he says, listen to counsel, receive warning. So if you want Jesus to act as a counselor to you, you have to position yourself, one, to listen, and two, to respond when he gives you direction and warning. It's absolutely certain because Jesus is a counselor, he will advise you how to get your life right. He'll advise you how to run your life successfully. He'll advise you about finances. He will advise you about marriage. He will advise you about your personal struggles. He will give advice on how to win in life. He will show you in conflicts what to do. Jesus is that person. That's what he is. He's a counselor. He will come and help us. But the question is whether we position ourselves to receive And when he points out something wrong in our life, whether we will receive that correction or not. How many find that a bit hard to receive sometimes? The Bible tells very clearly he'll do it. Now, I want you to have a look at a story uh, in the life of Jesus, just with one of his disciples. 
here was a great chance for this disciple to get some counsel from Jesus. I want you to read it. You know it and you're familiar with it, but I want you to think now as Jesus is a counselor. In verse uh, 31 of Luke 22, Jesus is just about finishing his ministry with disciples. And so Jesus with his disciples, what they said here, and, and the Lord said, or Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And when you've returned to me, then strengthen your brother, brethren. But, there it is, but. But he said, Lord, I'm ready to go back to prison and to death. He said, Peter, I tell you, the rooster shall not crow this day. You'll deny me three times that you even know me. Now, I want you to see something in here. You notice that Jesus is actually telling Peter about something that's about to happen in his life. Peter's saying, he's saying, Peter, now I'm standing here as your counselor. And I want to tell you that something major is about to happen in your life. You're about to have a major failure in your life. Now, I wonder what you would have done in that situation. Here's some things you could have done. Huh? Really? Tell me more about that. You mean there's been a conflict in the heavens and, and, and the devil's after me? Tell me a bit more about that. What should I be looking out for? What do I need to do? How can I miss this? How can I actually bypass this? What can I learn? Show me what to do. He could have asked him all of those things. He said, I've been praying for you that you wouldn't fail. After you fail, what's the failure, Lord? There's so many questions Peter could have asked, asked Jesus right then to head off the failure. I wonder why he didn't. Why didn't he ask questions? Like so many of us, we don't ask questions when we could ask a question because we've already got a head full of our own ideas. Oh, not me. I won't do that and I won't fall over and I won't let you down. And I won't. Now you can trust me. Oh, you can really trust me. And his pride and his ego, self-sufficiency all rising up like that. Jesus said, don't, even, don't listen. Before the roosters crowed three times, you'll deny me three times. Think about that. He could have asked. Now, why didn't he not ask? Very simple. Because he did not position himself to receive the counsel Jesus had for him. And so he had an unnecessary failure, a major failure, a major fall. Why? Because in his heart he could not listen and receive counsel. I wonder how many of you, just think about this for a moment, how many of you have had an experience of a major issue, major something went wrong, and someone could have advised you, but you just weren't listening? How many can identify with that? You weren't listening. How many wish you'd listened? Huh? How many of you had your parents advise you something and you wouldn't listen and afterwards, whoa, wish I'd listened? Huh? Quite a number. All right then. So listening to count, receiving Jesus' ministry as a counselor has to do with a heart that is open to hear and receive. If you want the counsel of God or Jesus to help you as a counselor, you have to position yourself. Notice, if you will receive instruction, if you will listen to counsel, so the key thing is, there's two key things here. We have to listen and receive. Oh, it's a crucial part of it. So how can you do that? It's not so hard uh, and very, very simple. But you've got to approach Jesus with an attitude of hunger to learn and receive. Now, in the coming years, there's many mistakes you may make. You could head off if you got counsel from God. 
there's a lot of silly things you may not need to do and suffer unnecessary pain if you let God counsel you. So how are you going to let Jesus counsel you? Remember, that's his role. That's his name. He'll do it. He will help you. But you've got to position yourself for it. Here it is. Very, very simple. Proverbs 3, verse 5, it tells us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In every one of your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. Notice two things. One is trusting. And the second is acknowledging him or being intimate with him. So in that verse, God tells us very clearly. He says, number one, don't lean on your own ability to figure all of life out. Learn to lean on God in your heart. And not only that, it says, in all your ways acknowledge him. In everything you do, open your heart and life to be intimate with God. In other words, don't just come to church on a Sunday and, and have listen to a message, but each day open your heart for God to help you through the day, for Jesus to counsel you, advise you, and speak to you. How will he do it? He'll do it two ways. One, if you will spend time in the Word of God, he will speak to you from the Word of God the principles that will lead for success. In Psalm 119, verse 24, uh, David wrote, and he said, your testimonies are my counselors. In other words, I've read through all the people in the Bible who made mistakes, and they, I've learned a lot of lessons from them. And I love it in the Bible. They, they, they have the mistakes there as well as the successes. So you can look and find why he made a mistake and say, man, I don't need to make that same mistake. The Bible tells us, it says, these mistakes and these things that are written are written to teachers. They don't have to make the same mess-ups. Yet so often people do. So the Word of God. So take time every day. One of the things we want to encourage the church in the coming year is to ensure that everyone is taking time to be in the Word of God day by day so you're listening to God, giving Him room to speak to you. If you don't read the Bible, how will you know what He says? How will you know how to run your life? God gives the answers. Take advantage of them. Here the second one is in prayer, in listening. Listening prayer, taking time. It tells us in Luke 10 that Martha Mary sat and she heard directly from God. So God will speak to your spirit. He wants to speak to you. He'll find a way to speak to you. He'll find a way to speak to you directly by removing your peace so you feel agitated by giving an impression in your heart or through reading the Word of God or by people that you seek out for good counsel. So who would you go to for good counsel? Well, go to someone who walks with God and has got success in their life. If there's no success, they don't know how to give you good advice. Don't go to someone who keeps messing it up. Go to someone who's got some success in their life. Someone's got a good marriage, they'll have learned something on the way. Someone's doing well in their finances, they've learned things on their way. And don't divide wisdom up into spiritual and secular. All wisdom is God's wisdom. And God can speak to us in so many ways. So why don't you just open your heart and say, God, I want to be more willing to listen in the coming year. One of the difficulties with Kiwis is we often know it all. I know that. Yeah, 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 I know that. Yeah, I know all about that. And, and another thing about Kiwis is we're often reluctant to ask for help. Can you help me? I don't know what to do. See, so what we, what we do instead is go quiet. Don't know what to do. See, we need to learn to ask for help. Or when someone offers help, we get offended and tell them to nick off. That's what goes on. It goes on all the time. I see it year after year in church where people either won't ask for help when they obviously need help, or when you give them help or offer advice, they just actually get offended and just walk away. So, so if we want to receive counsel from God, you just, it's a heart issue. Open the heart. 
have a heart that's willing to listen and a heart that's willing to be warned and corrected. Here's the second aspect of Jesus' ministry in uh, Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. So Jesus is able to not only guide you in how to run your life well, He's able to also get down to the roots of what's going on in your life. I want you to have a look with me in John chapter 4, just very quickly, at a woman who had problems in her life. Not like anyone here. Here it is. This lovely woman had problems in her life. Now, one of the things about the Lord is he, he counsels to the heart, not just the behavior. So God always wants your heart, wants to get what's really going on inside you, not just to get you conform. Religion will just make you doing the right things on the outside. doesn't change your heart. Jesus wants to touch the heart. Now, here's a woman there, and it says, verse 7, A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Disciples had gone away to buy food. And the woman of Samaria, verse 9, said to him, How come you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman? Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. Jesus said, If you knew the gift of God and what it was that said to you, Who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he'd give you living water. The woman said, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and livestock? Jesus said, If you drink, whoever drinks this water will thirst again. Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. The water I give him will be a come in him, a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Oh, sir, give me the water so that I don't thirst, and I have to come here again. And Jesus said, well, go call your husband and ask him to come. And she said, I have no husband. He said, oh, that's very true. You have no husband. You've had five husbands, and the one you're with now, uh, uh, the one you have now is not your husband, so you really did speak truly. She said, oh, I see you're a prophet. Then she goes on to a sidetrack about worshiping and where you might worship. So here's a situation of a woman in desperate need. Now, this woman is broken. Uh, it's the middle of the day, and she's out getting a well. She's down at the well getting water. Now, here's a couple of things to realize. She's at the, water getting, at the well getting water in the middle of the day. Now, no one goes to a well in the middle of the day. It's like the middle of the, the heat of the sun, 40 degrees scorching down. That's not the time you go to the well. You go in the morning, you go in the evening, and then you sleep in the middle of the day. Why is she going in the middle of the day? Because her life is broken and damaged. She's covered with shame. Why is she covered with shame? She's got issues in her heart. Why has she got issues in her heart? She probably lives in a small village. And in that small village, she's been married five times. Five men have married her. Five men made promises to her. Five men slept with her. Five men lived with her. Then five men abandoned her. Now, if you're in a small community, you can imagine everyone knows about that. So what kind of reputation would she get? And now she's living, and the guy she's living with, she's even given up hope on marriage. She's given up all hope of a wedding, a marriage that would work. She's now just living with a guy. Now, why is she getting water in the middle of the day? Most likely, she's full of shame, full of grief, full of regret, full of resentment and bitterness, full of rejection, feeling abandoned. The last people she wants to be around is all the women around the well gossiping and talking and giving her that look. So she comes alone. There are a lot of people like that. They're very lonely, they're very hurt, they're very broken. And most people only see the behaviors on the outside. Oh, that's a bit weird. What a nutter. Why would you do that in the middle of the day? Well, you could have gone there and looked and said, what a nutty woman. Fancy coming out in the middle of the day. You must be a strange woman. Now, that's looking at the behavior. Jesus looked and saw her as a person and looked at the heart because he's called counselor.
He looks at the hard issues. So I want you to see something he did. You notice he asked an unusual thing. He said, can you give me a drink? When you look at it, you don't really see it so easy. But this is what she did. This is what he did. In asking her to give him a drink, he broke through the religious barriers because men of God never talked to women. He broke through the cultural barrier, the racial barrier, because Jews never talked to Samaritans. He broke through the, barrier, the, the gender barrier because he spoke as a man to woman. Normally, they would never speak. In fact, what he did was he broke through every barrier, and then he said, could you give me something to drink? He welcomed her into his world, built a bridge of acceptance and love to her that made room for her to open a heart to him. That's how Jesus operates as a counselor. He reaches into people to find out what's in their heart, to build a bridge to them. Second thing he did was he got her interest going. He said, well, you know, that water there is going to run out. You want to have some of the water I can give you. Now, he's talking about the true needs of her heart acceptance and love. The area she wants security. She wants to be loved unconditionally. She's a woman who's broken. You want to be loved. Why would you marry five times if you were looking for love? That's what so many people are looking for. She's looking for security, looking for some kind of purpose in life. Looking, she's looking. She's got thirsts in her life more than the water. Sometimes we see people and they're caught up in alcohol, caught up in drugs. What we don't realize, easy to look at the behavior and not realize there's someone in there is thirsting and longing. They're just going to the wrong place. And Jesus nails it right down the line. He just got right into a heart by building a bridge with her and got to exactly the problem. You really do have a deep thirst. It's a thirst for love and no one can meet it. But I could meet that for you. And so Jesus opened her heart just like that. And even when she tried to divert the attention and get away onto some other topic, he stayed focused on her as a person and her life changed. Jesus is not only one who gives you advice. This is how he operates as well. He operates as a counselor to your heart. How does he do that? Number one, you have to know you've got a thirst. You have to know that there's a need in your life. You have to know somewhere there's something that you can't fix no matter how much you try. How many could identify with something like that? There's something in there you can't fix no matter how much you try. Did it occur to you that it might be deeper than what you think? Did it occur to you it might be in the heart? Did it occur to you it might be damage that has happened in your life? Did it occur to you that somewhere in your heart you may have been wounded and broken, built a wall and disconnected yourself from life, and now you're trying to medicate and solve your problem? Jesus comes right to the core of the problem, and that is the thirst can only be met by a spiritual reality and experience with God. Over the years, and particularly more recently, within this last year, I had a tremendous experience of the Lord. And uh, I was just opening my heart to Him. We'd had a season of fasting. And uh, in that season, I became very aware that there was some deep pain in my life. And so I began to just reach out and cry, Lord, help me. I think one of the first ways that you begin to have Jesus come as a counselor to your life you must be aware you have a need and let go of control and be willing to let him come in. And immediately I did that, the Lord showed me a picture, a vision of something, a situation in my childhood when it must have been I could figure from the way the picture showed up in my mind. I had to be around about the age of eight. And I could see it like I was standing there as though it was yesterday. I was standing there. The reality of it, the feelings of it were all there and the pain of it was all there. And then he spoke to me. 
And when he spoke to me, I could feel the pain so strongly inside, I actually physically jumped. It was that strong. And then he invited me to just let go control and allow him, allow me just to come with him where he wanted me to go. And the moment I said yes, the whole picture changed. And Jesus came and brought tremendous healing around my heart and spoke words into my life that have affected me all this year. See, he's a counselor. Prior to that, I just wrestled with the problem and tried to do the best I could to get over it. Tremendous area of fear. And I couldn't get over the fear. Couldn't break it. Tried hard. Tried all the things you could do. Claimed the promises of God. Spoke the word of God. But there was still this resident fear. And what it needed was Jesus the counselor to come and reach into my heart and just unlock the hurt and the pain and change the experience for me. He's a great counselor. You read the story about the woman, you find from the moment she met Jesus, she ran and became a witness to the whole community. From being ashamed and embarrassed and fleeing away, she ran and became a shining light in the community. There are some of us here today, and you actually need Jesus to help you, give you advice and counsel, but you must position yourself for it. There are others, and perhaps it's a broken heart. You need to position yourself and make room for God to do that. Jesus is wonderful. Counselor, mighty God.